Happy Fourth of July. Happy Independence Day, right? Yeah, yeah. Today's opening is brought to you by the Gospel of John. I used to say, I used to say a few years back, you are what you eat. I used to say that fairly frequently. And it had absolutely nothing to do with food. This last week, this last week's reading, reading in John, and I was reminded that I used to say, you are what you eat. Early in John, in verse 14, we're told, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory is only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Keep that in mind as we go to today's reading, which is in John 6, going to 54 through 56. So as I said, I was reading that earlier in the week, and I was reminded, you are what you eat. And if you've been going to this church for any length of time, even a week, you know that we encourage you reading the Bible. John 6, 54. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last days. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. And the word became flesh, and we are to eat that flesh. The word became flesh. Let's all rise. Father, we thank you. Lord Jesus, that you did come, that you did come, the word did come here on earth, Lord, and you saved us, you saved us, you gave us the meal that we need to eat, and we thank you, Father, for this, your, your blessing, in Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. For his blood... His blood has set me free. It will never lose its power for me. For it's His blood that set us free. That's true freedom. True freedom is what Jesus did on the cross. And we're going to celebrate that this morning. We're going to remember Him. As we receive communion this morning. Because it was that blood that was shed on the cross. It was that body that was broken for us. It was his blood that took away sin, dealt with sin, paid for sin. Doesn't just cover it, it obliterates it. Destroys it out of your life. It's his blood that sets you free. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread. He broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And at the end of the meal, he took the cup and he says, this blood, the blood of the new covenant, washes away the sins of the world. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So Father, this morning we remember Jesus. We remember the, the body that was broken, the blood that was shed, the blood that set us free. And it's for freedom that he has set us free to be free 
And so, Father, as we celebrate this this morning, as we remember what Jesus did on that cross that day, we glorify you, Lord. We praise your holy name. We honor you and we lift high the name of Jesus. For there is no other name under heaven by which men may be saved. It's that name that deserves all the glory, praise, and honor. In Jesus' name. Please come forward, receive communion. Well, good morning. Happy Fourth of July. Happy Independence Day. Hallelujah. And as some of my uh, British friends say every once in a while, Happy Rebellion Day. <laughs> At least they're keeping a they're keeping a good-hearted attitude about it. So you know they're good. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Release the children. Children, you are released. Have a wonderful one child. Nope, three. Now they're moving. Now they're moving. As they're moving out, turn to Galatians chapter 5. Today is the 4th of July. Today is Independence Day. Today is the uh, day we declared freedom. Took years after that, though. To actually secure it took time, but just like anything else does, it takes time, doesn't it? Things don't always change immediately. Things don't always uh, rectify immediately. Sometimes you actually have to work at it, and the, uh, our founding fathers had to work at it, and they worked hard at it, and our, our, the, the government worked hard at it for years and reworked it and reworked it. And then there was other wars that were fought to keep that freedom. There's been all kinds of wars fought that, that, that has been hard work. And then somehow we've come to 2021 and people think that, well, they've done all the hard work. All we have to do is enjoy it. It's not true. It's going to take hard work. Galatians chapter 5, beginning with verse 1, says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. See, that's our part to do. Our part is we have to stand firm. And do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Oh, that was a a subdued amen. (laughs) Let's try that again. Let's try this again. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Thank you. We got to get going here. Come on. Now, obviously... I'm not taking this out of context because this wasn't talking about America. You know that, right? That wasn't talking about America. That was talking about circumcision. We have children still in here. You have circumcision. Yoke of bondage. Yoke of slavery. Somebody telling you how to live your life. Telling you to do something that isn't, isn't what the word says. Isn't that interesting? And Paul says, don't submit yourself again. Don't, it's, it's actually, you know, he says, do not submit again. That means it's up to you to not submit to slavery again. Not submit to, to rules and regulations. Not submit, oh gosh. This, this is the sermon my wife dreads. I didn't warn her ahead of time. I kind of told her what it, I didn't, I didn't tell her ahead of time. I, you know, I kind of said a little bit, a few things just to soften her up. 
But she didn't know exactly where I'm going with this, but here we go. Hang on. Hang on to something heavy. Turn to the person next. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Slide down to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. It says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but love, or but through love, serve one another. Freedom. We've been called to freedom. You know, freedom's not an American thing. Freedom's not an American thing. It's a human thing. We were called to freedom. When God put Adam and Eve in the garden, he gave them freedom. He only told them not to do one thing. He only told them not to do one thing. He said, don't do that. Everything else in the world you can do. Do it all. Enjoy it all. It's all there for you. Just don't do that. Well then, around the time of Moses, he had to tell them ten things. Don't do that, and that, and that, and that. And then, the scribes and Pharisees had thousands of things. When you're walking, don't do that. Don't walk this far. Don't walk this way. Don't carry that load. Don't do it on that day. Don't do it. Law after law after law. Anybody have any idea? I mean, I'm not a, I don't, I'm not a historical scholar. How many laws does America have? There we go. I'm, I'm hitting the heart right there. I'm hitting the... Too many. Got too many laws. Not the right ones. Thank you. Woo, here we go. How's she doing? All right. She's still sitting. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. That's half of the battle right there. Go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I just wanted to read these three verses. I'm actually going to talk a lot. And not, I mean, it's, I'm going to get back to Scripture. You're going you're to be glad when I get back to Scripture. But we're going to talk about America a little bit. It is the 4th of July, you know. I should probably do that. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning with verse 17, says, Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, that's freedom. Freedom is not about a bunch of rules and regulations. Freedom is about being where the Spirit of God is. And when you're in the Spirit of God, you're free, and it doesn't matter where you are. You know that prisoners of war, people who were prisoners, prisoners of war or, or political prisoners who spent years in prison because of their beliefs, their faith, they were in a jail cell, they were in a prison, but if they were in the Spirit, they were free. Think about that one for a second. It's not a, it's not a location. It's not a, a territory. It's where the Spirit of the Lord is. All right. So now, <clears throat> about two months ago, month and a half, two months ago, minding my own business, I had no, no plan to do what I'm about to do today, talk about what I'm about to talk about, but the Lord very distinctly led me to a book. I want you to write this book down. 
you need to read this book. I don't do this very often, but I was, he, he specifically led me to a book, and I want you to read it. I very, it, it is written by Oz Guinness. It's a book written by Oz Guinness. It's called A Free People's Suicide. Anybody know who Oz Guinness is? Very few. Isn't that interesting? You must read Oz Guinness. <clears throat> Oz Guinness, you know, is you know, well known for being the great, great, grand, great grandson of the inventor of Guinness beer. Anybody know that one? <clears throat> just kidding. That was a test. Just, just check it. Just check it. But he's from England. He's from Great Britain. But he has written dozens of books, dozens of phenomenal books. I just uh, saw my niece was reading one of his books on rhetoric and debate for teenagers. He's a thinker. Oz Guinness, how many of you were around? Uh, I can't remember what year it was. It was the year of the call, and we read the book, The Call. How many remember that? Raise your hand. Yep. So we did a book study that year, and it was written by Oz Guinness. He's written dozens and dozens of books. I did not know that he had written this book. So he's a believer. He's a, he's a Christian. But he's also a thinker. He's also, uh, uh, he writes on all kinds of things. But I, I found this book. I was led to it, I believe. And I began to read it. I'm about halfway through. It is a heady book. It is thick with thought. Thick with with facts. I mean, I, I'm, I, I am in the middle of it, and I'm going to tell you, I think it's one of the best books I've ever read in my life, other than the Word of God. That's why I'm saying, I don't usually say, you need to read a book, you need to read this one. As a believer, you need to read this book. As an American, you need to read this book. Because the premise of this book is that we have been given freedom. Our nation was founded on freedom. But I'm going to make a statement here that's going to hurt your feelings. You're not free anymore. Now you're thinking, well, wait a second, I'm still in America. It's not about location. It's about something else. The free people's suicide. The premise of the book, uh, and, and Oz Guinness loves America. He even says at the beginning of the book, I know I'm from Great Britain. And people are going to think, well, you're from Europe. What do you care about America? He says he loves America. He loves everything about what America should stand for, has stood for since the 1700s. But he said, I need to tell you what I'm observing, and as a free people, you're killing yourselves. You're allowing this. This idea of freedom to die. It's a powerful book. Out of what that, that book, as I say, I've read almost more than half of it now, I'm going to finish reading it, and then I'm going to reread it, which is going to be hard. It's a long, big, thick book, but I'm already like, I need to read this again, the things I've read. What I'm taking out of it is one thought on about three pages, and it will absolutely rock your world. At least I hope it does. So it's called The Free People, a free people suicide, sustainable freedom, and the American future. That's the, to the full name of the book. All right. What gives us freedom? According to, according to the founding fathers, what gives us freedom? 
Okay, we were in church, so I knew some people would answer that way. But what does everybody think? What, I heard it, somebody else just said it. What do people think gives us our freedom? The Constitution and the Bill of Rights, correct? It's what most people think. It's not. That's not what gives us freedom. Freedom does not come from a piece of paper. It doesn't come from a bunch of written down ideas. It was never meant to be the thing that safeguards our freedom. If the Constitution never existed, we could have still, our nation could have still been free. Should have still been free. But we are not as free as we used to be. The true strength of the Founders' plan was the moral ecology that is at the heart of ordered liberty. Okay, I had to take that quote right out of the book, and I've had to think about it and think about it, so I just said it, and I'm going to say it again a couple more times because you need to get this, because I can't say it better than what he just said. The true strength of the Founders' plan was the moral ecology that is at the heart of ordered freedom. Free or uh, ordered liberty. Freedom is not somebody giving you the right to do something. Freedom is what happens right in here. I read three verses out of the New Testament that said that very thing. It isn't America's not free because somebody wrote down we we decided we're going to be free, and here's why. Well, they did say why but it's been lost over the last 200 plus years. It's been totally lost. All right. The true strength, I'm gonna read it one last time. The true strength of the founder's plan was the moral ecology that is at the heart of ordered liberty. There's a guy named Alexis de Tocqueville. Actually, his full name is up there. Alexis Charles Henry Clarel Comte de Tocqueville. He's from France. Don't hate him. He was around in eight, from 1805 to 1859. He was known, he, they, it, with a name like that, they finally decided your, your name is Tocqueville. Tocqueville. He was a French aristocrat, a diplomat, a political scientist, a political philosopher and historian. He is best known for his works, Democracy in America and the Old Regime and the Revolu- Revolution. How many of you have ever heard of Tocqueville? Oh my goodness, that's amazing. Most people have no idea who he is. That book, that book, Democracy in America, I did some research on it, is the most quoted book about America in history. This guy was recognized as knowing his stuff. He was not a contemporary of the revolution, but he was a student of it immediately afterwards and still had an opportunity to, to, to uh, uh, interview many of the men who wrote the great works about why America was what it was or why it, what it was supposed to become. And Tocqueville had a theory, and it's been a theory that has been debated for 200 years and still stands. He called it... The habits of the heart. But Oz Guinness calls it the triangle, the golden triangle of freedom. That's the name of the sermon today. We're going to get into it deep here in a second. The golden triangle 
of freedom. The golden triangle of freedom has three parts. The first is virtue. Virtue. The second is faith. And the third is freedom. The golden triangle of freedom has three parts. Virtue, faith, and freedom. Three big words. Three loaded words. Three powerful words. But what do they have to do with each other? And how does this work? What must happen for freedom to continue? Or, or at least, to, I'm going I'm to throw it out today, to regain our freedom. Because, you know, some of you are thinking, okay, where is this going? He just said a little while ago that we're not as free as we think we are. We're, not, we're certainly not as free as we were 200 years ago. You know, I'll even make the statement, in the system that we're in today, it's over. Right, Pastor Greg? It's over. It's been over. It's been over. Just being honest with you, it's over. America squandered its freedom. But that does not, yeah, amen, but God. But God, here's the hope. I don't want to dangle you over the edge for any longer than I have to. There is hope to regain what we have, have, have had. But it's going to take work. It's going to take a lot of work. Virtue, faith, and freedom. That, though, that triangle, virtue, faith, and freedom, are actually interconnected. Virtue, for it to operate, to actually to work, to actually function. And we're going to define all these in a second, so don't think, where, he's, I'm already lost. Each one is required, is, has, has a requirement on the others, otherwise it cannot exist. Virtue. Virtue is directly tied to faith. Virtue is directly tied to faith. Faith is directly tied to freedom. And freedom, to have freedom, is directly tied back to virtue. Which virtue at that point then is tied to faith. And faith to freedom and freedom to virtue. And once you have the virtue, then it goes back to faith. And then faith and It is a continuous ad infinitum triangle. You cannot break this triangle. The moment you break the triangle, freedom no longer exists. And the freedom to practice faith no longer, no longer exists. And faith itself if you don't have faith, you cannot be virtuous. Now for the definitions for everybody who's going, what the heck is he talking about? <laughs> Sustainable freedom depends on the character of the rulers and the ruled alike. How many of you have ever watched the news recently and you go, I cannot believe those people are our leaders? <laughs> They're bankrupt, they're morally bankrupt. Anybody's, nobody's raising their hand. That's probably safe that way. And I'm not going to raise my hand because my wife is already, is she hyperventilating yet over there? And she's all right. She's okay. They're not virtuous. They're not virtuous. Most of them, there are some. Yes, of course. There's always some. But they're not, the majority are not virtuous. Why? Because they don't have faith. They no, they no longer look at faith 
as a necessary component to life. And because they're not virtuous and they don't have faith to base what they're doing on, they don't care about freedom. They actually, I mean, if you've watched, if you've watched, they are actively trying to destroy freedom. In the name of freedom. It's over. But it's not over. Amen? Amen. I, I got to keep pulling you back. I'm going to dangle you a couple more times. But I'm going to keep pulling you back. Sustainable freedom depends on the character of the rulers and the ruled alike. You can't just have virtuous rulers. You can't just have people who have, who have uh, they're virtuous and they have faith and, they, and they, they understand freedom because you can have a whole bunch of people, leaders who do that, but if the people won't live that way also, it is unsustainable. You cannot. This does not depend. I'm gonna give you all the hope back right now. I'm gonna give you all the hope back because the only way this thing turns around is for individuals to come back to virtue, faith, and freedom. It's individuals. It's you. It's me. It's us as individuals. It's us as a, as a group of people, as a church. It's, it's us as the kingdom of God. There is hope. There is absolutely hope. But it must begin with us. It must begin with you. It must begin with a, a young man, a young woman, saying, that's it, I'm going to live free. And freedom doesn't come easily. Why? Because you have to be virtuous. And the only way you can be virtuous is to have faith. And the only way you can actually practice faith is to have freedom. You see the circle here, or the triangle. Sorry, I said circle. It's triangle. The golden triangle of faith. Tocqueville called it the habits of the heart. He thought that religion was essential to democracy for many reasons. And probably the most important one was that Tocqueville thought that organized religion was the only possible long-term counterweight to some of the main threats to democracy faced. What do you think the main threat, what he considered the main threat of democracy is? Atheism? Now hold on to your, you know, shoes. Hold on to your stuff. Materialism. Now this guy wasn't a, you know, he wasn't a flaming hippie. You know, he was... I was I was I was messing with the name Toke to, you know Tokeville. And I thought, you know, if he would have been alive in the 60s, he'd have been called Toker. You know, that would have been that'd have been his nickname. But he he wasn't some he wasn't some <laughs> fill in the blank. I don't want to be offensive to everybody thinking, oh, it's because you're, you're materialistic. It's because you, you have to, it's all about your stuff. No, he was a thinker. He was a philosopher. He was a student of, of, the, of life. 
And he realized that if your stuff is more important than freedom, you will never have freedom. And we already, we see that today. People are willing to give up their freedom as long as they can keep getting more stuff. Oh, now you're turning into one of them. I like stuff. I like what Pastor Dan always said. It's okay to have stuff. Just don't let the stuff have you. When it's all about the stuff, you're no longer free because you're doing everything you can do to get that stuff and to keep that stuff. And our world right now is giving up freedom after freedom after freedom so that their life doesn't change one bit. That they can keep doing and going and having everything that they want. And that is no longer freedom. So he, he looks at freedom on one hand as the most dangerous thing to democracy and the most dangerous thing to freedom. And the other one is religious fanaticism. Isn't that interesting? Here's a guy who is absolutely 100% in favor of religion. He said it's the only answer to this, but not religious fanaticism, which is exactly why the founding fathers did what they did. They wanted freedom of? They didn't want to be told what religion that they could seek because part of what the king was doing is it's the Church of England and that's it. And the Church of England rules. And they said, no, we came here not to be a part of the Church of England. We came here to be free. And we're not about to take one more step to lose any more freedom. We're done. We're independent. And they declared. So here's a guy who, who believes that the answer is, is religion. Actually, I'm going to be honest with you. He thought any religion, as long as it was true religion. What, I mean, what, do, I mean, what do I mean by true religion? They actually acted upon the principles that that religion spoke of. Not just having, I'm a Buddhist, which makes me good. No, it doesn't. You have to live a certain way. You have to have morals. You have to have ethics. You have to have a guiding principle. Now, the founding fathers, and he got all these ideas from our founding fathers. The founding fathers said, the only way this works is that we have our rights be, been given to us by our creator our rights don't does not our rights do not come from the government my right to go where i want to go is not given to me by washington or madison or st paul or st croix county it just isn't to live my life i don't need your permission i don't now, I do need my wife's permission. <laughs> so can any of us be truly free? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't, we don't need, we don't need Anyone saying, oh, you have the freedom to go here or to go there. No, I will decide that. Freedom doesn't come from rules and regulations. 
With regard to materialism, Tocqueville thought that in democratic societies, there was a strong tendency for people to become totally absorbed in the search for material possessions and be willing to give up their freedoms. And we're seeing it today. It's happening, right? It's been happening. It's been happening. The great, some of the greatest times in American history, greatest times in the world is when people say, I don't care what happens to me. I'm going to live for the greater good. Praise God for the, the, the founding fathers who said, life and liberty, I will give up my possessions. I will give up my land, my property. I will give up my own life because this is that important. They could have said, no, no thanks. I don't, I, I'm not going to lose what I have. And there were many, many, many people who said, I'm not giving up what I have. I'm not taking that chance. Many of the, right, of the signers of the Declaration of Independence lost their jobs, lost their lives, lost their property, lost everything because they were willing to say, no, I am no longer going to live under that rule because that rule is not freedom. How many of us today are willing to say, I'm willing to give up everything to live free again? That's where it gets tough. It's not going to be easy. Unfortunately, people who cared only about such things were apt to sacrifice their political freedom if it seemed like it might interfere with making a living or at least to become apathetic towards their communities, concerned only with the needs of themselves and their own families. Tocqueville called this attitude individualism. And he thought that one of the best ways to fight it was through religion. Religion taught people that there were things in the universe more important than money and encouraged them to lift their eyes beyond the petty concerns of daily life and concentrate on higher and more distant goals. There's more to life than stuff. There's more to life than comfort. There's more to life than individual pleasure and individual safety. There are things in this world worth dying for. You just have to make your choice. You just have to choose. Now, Tocqueville said any religion. I'm going to take it way beyond that. There's only one true standard that absolutely ensures virtue. That absolutely ensures. Because it isn't up to you. You can't be virtuous on your own. For those of you who have tried, you can't be good, especially kids. Can't be good. No. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter our age. I can't be good on my own. I mean, it's tough enough being filled with the Holy Spirit, being led by the Word of God, and still making right decisions. I still have to take a hold of myself sometimes and go, what in the world are you doing? Knock it off. You can't be virtuous with just a set of rules or a set of a hierarchy of, of ethics. You have to have the Spirit of God. You, we must have 
The saving grace, the, the, the blood of Jesus that washes away the sin, that not only the sin, but the sin nature. See, I'm pulling this back into, you know, into the word now. We have to have Jesus as our Lord and Savior and be submitted to him as Lord because when we do that, we then really true, truly have the ability to be virtuous. And that virtue is based on our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's why there's hope. That's why there is hope. We can't turn this thing around just being good, for good's sake. The only way this turns around is that we live according to the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. We live by the Spirit. And... Here's the next step, is to get as many other people around us saved as well. Because it's not just up to us, obviously, because here we are. It needs to be more. There needs to be more people who are saying, no, it's Jesus. I need to live my life differently. I need to, I need to live differently. I need to live not for, my, for myself today, but I need to live for him. And when I live for him, I can be virtuous, and then, you know, faith, virtue, and then I can actually act free. I haven't even defined those three the way the Word of God defines them. I just, I haven't even defined them the way the world defines them. I'm going to do that right now. All right. So, Os Guinness calls this the golden triangle freedom. The way Tocqueville described them was virtue is behavior showing high moral standards. Behavior showing high moral standards. Faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Tocqueville said it could be anything. And faith is complete, or I'm sorry, then freedom is the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. You know, that's how the world right now views freedom. I can do whatever I want without restraint or expectation. I can live any way I want. I can do, oh, freedom. I want freedom. I want freedom to marry whoever I want, whenever I want, however I want. I want to have freedom to be a kitten. I'm, I'm now a kitten. I self-identify as a kitten. I want everyone to call me Fluffy. Any one of you call me Fluffy after this sermon? You know what I'm doing here, okay? And I don't care if you put pastor first. Pastor Fluffy, it ain't happening. Just warning you right now. But you see the foolishness in this. I want my freedom. I want my freedom to go, you know, do whatever I want, sleep with whoever I want, take advantage of whatever I want. That's freedom. Freedom. No, that's not freedom. That's bondage. Why? Because there is a higher power, a higher authority that says that's sin. Don't do that. By listening to the one who created us, He can tell you which way is freedom. The whole tree of knowledge of good and evil. He said, do anything you want. 
Why? Because they didn't even think about doing something wrong until they did something wrong. And then they went, ooh, it tasted good. It was pleasurable. I wonder if the next thing would be pleasurable. The next wrong thing, the next wrong thing, the next wrong thing. That's not freedom, that's bondage. It, it, it tied us to sin for the rest of, eter- rest of mankind on the earth. That's not freedom. Sin is not freedom. Doing what you want is not freedom. Doing what he wants. Oh, see, I'm getting ahead of myself. Don't do that. That's the way the world defines it. Here's the way the kingdom defines it. Virtue is a quality considered morally good or desirable in a person. A quality considered morally good or desirable in a person. Faith is strong belief in God in the doctrines of, I'm gonna, it says religion here, but I'm going to say in the kingdom, in Christianity, based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. So you, uh, you, you, gain, you, you, you believe it even though you don't have proof. I believe that Jesus exists. And if he really exists, that's how I came back to the Lord. That's how I rededicated my life is I finally came to that point, kind of like the prodigal son. I came back to myself and I said, I believe there's a God. And if there's really a God, then his word is true. And if his word is true, I'm an idiot. And I'm sinning willfully. And the word says, if I sin willfully, if I don't come under his lordship, I will be, I will be removed from his presence and I'll be destroyed forever in a lake of fire. How stupid is that to keep moving in that direction? I believe I've never seen Jesus. I've never heard an audible voice, but I've read the word and I know what it says and it's true. And I've based my life on it. And ever since I've started basing my life on it, my life is getting better and better. Isn't that amazing? Didn't happen overnight. But it came from choices. Choices to rely on him, which caused virtue to come into my life. The more I believed in him, the more I started acting like him. More and more every day. And the more I acted like him, the more free I became. The more freedom I walk in. Now, there are two kinds of freedom. I can't go into all the depth of it, all the, the, uh, the, the, the whole discussion. I'm going to give you a brief uh, uh, synopsis of what Tocqueville called negative freedom and positive freedom. There are two kinds of freedom, negative freedom and positive freedom. You got to read the book because that discussion, and that's not what I'm talking about today, but that whole thought of negative freedom versus positive freedom is powerful our founding fathers understood it nobody i can almost say nobody at the government level today understands it at all why because i see the fruit that's coming out of it there's two kinds of freedom there's negative freedom and positive freedom negative freedom is what everybody thinks about when we say freedom freedom from interference Freedom from interference. Now, this is going to be great. I love this part because my brother, my oldest brother, watches us. So I'm going to tell a story about him. Are you ready, Jay? Here we go. (laughs) I still remember, I still remember when he was probably about 19, 18, 19, he was still living at home. I was a little kid. 
I was, I'm 10 years younger than he is. Yep, 10 years. And I remember that he got home from a long day at work. He had worked all day long. He had probably worked long hours for days and days and days. And he says, I'm going to go take a nap. Somebody wake me up at 5. And, and so he went, to, he went to go to bed because that night he was going to work with a bunch of his friends on a stock car. And so he goes and takes a nap. Well, 5 o'clock comes and goes. I look at my mom and I said, were you going to wake up, Jay? She goes, no. He's an adult. I think he needs to sleep. He hasn't slept much in the last few weeks. He's beat tired. He should, he should, take, you know, he should get, get his rest. She goes, I'm not going to... Well, about 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock that night, he comes out of the bedroom and says, why didn't you wake me up? And she said, because I wanted you to get your rest. And he goes, next time, wake me up so I can make my own decision. <laughs> I'm in so much trouble now. <laughs> Just let me know if he rings in over there. Just, you know... Freedom is not because, you know, your parents say, you can't go out Friday night. Oh, I wish I had my freedom. I wish I was free. When I turn 18, I'm going to be free and I'll go do whatever I want. That's not freedom. Because your parents know some stuff that you don't know. They might even know something that's going to, you know, you're not going out Friday night. Why? I don't know why, but I just, there's something in the spirit that says you shouldn't go. And if you were listening to it, you'd have made the same decision. <laughs> Freedom is not, you shall not, I mean, oh, see, you can just get me going now. Now, I'm sorry, Deb, just want to say I'm sorry. You know, we have to have a license to fish. Do you know we have to have a license to drive? Do you think you could drive a car without a license? Is there anybody here who could drive a car without a license? Yeah. Is there anyone here that thinks you could, you could manage fishing without a license? Yeah. You're going, wow, I could, get, I could make arguments against that. You could, we can make arguments against all this, can't we? The, fo the, the, the truth is, in 1776, if they wanted to go fishing, what did they do? Fishing laws are to restrict you from fishing. Well, but they do it to make sure we have more fish. If everybody was virtuous, they wouldn't be overfishing. You'd be stopping at stop signs. I came to a stop sign this morning. I came to a stop sign. I looked in both directions as far as I could. There was no cars anywhere. And I'm thinking, why stop? I, that thought went through my head. I'm just going to be honest with you. You'll have it one day. <laughs> there are no cars coming in either direction. But guess what I did? I stopped. Why? Because the sign was there saying I had to? No, because I chose to. Because the sign didn't stop me. I chose. Why? Because God says, follow the laws of the land. Hmm. Do you know that in many states, it is now the law of the land that you can smoke pot? <laughs> the, ones, the ones that I thought would react to that are going. 
But guess what? I'm not going to go smoke pot, even if I'm in those states. Why? Because God told me not to. But the government says, you can, you're free. Yeah, of course I'm free. I was free before. Right. <laughs> Always were. See, freedom is not about what the government tells me I can and can't do. I haven't given you the last definition. Because I haven't, I haven't talked about negative and positive freedom yet. Oh yeah, negative freedom is the freedom from interference. All the rules and regulations saying you can't do something, you can't do this, can't do that, can't. Freedom is I don't have to listen to that. The Declaration of Independence. Be ready? The Declaration of Independence was the grandest and most influential and powerful statement for negative freedom in history. Because the Declaration of Independence says, get out of our lives. I don't want to listen to you anymore. We choose not to listen to you anymore. It is what is historically called negative freedom. But people can do the same thing with God. I don't need you anymore. You can say that to any habit. I'm not going to do that anymore, whatever that habit is. But that's not the best way to stop doing it, is it? You know, anybody who's had a habit that's really hard to break. And you can keep saying, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that. And what do you do? You turn around and you do it. I'm free from that. No, you're not. Not if it's based on negative freedom. You're no longer going to have control over me is not the right answer. The right answer is what's called positive freedom. Positive freedom means I'm going to choose to live for excellence. That was the, that was the definition. That was the definition of freedom in 1828. Right after the whole declaration, the Constitution was being written, it was in that time that that's what those words meant. When they said freedom, it wasn't freedom to get away from something. It was freedom to choose rightly and to, and to seek God and to live in excellence. You're not going to tell me how to live. I'm going to choose to live excellently for God. The only true way to experience freedom is positive freedom. Freedom to pursue excellence. Go to, back to Galatians. Galatians 5.13. It says, For you are called to freedom, brothers, only. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. God gets this. God understands what true freedom is. True freedom is I can do anything I want, anytime I want, any way I want. I don't care what anybody thinks. That's not freedom. That's bondage. True freedom is to not think about myself, not going after my own fleshly desires. I choose to be the husband of one wife. I choose to be faithful. I choose to be upright. I choose to be. When I choose to be that, then I'm free. And it's not just based on a good idea. I do it because God said so. The word of God says so. And living that way is the only way to true freedom. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 beginning with verse 16. 
Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. The answers are right here, folks. The answers for America are right there. We are not, the, 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 the situation that America is in, you name it, you've, you'd make a list of it, doesn't matter, is not going to be decided, not going to be fixed by Washington. Never will be. Not one single politician, unless they're born again, living in the Spirit of God, but even then, it's just one. It's going to take our rulers. It's not going to be fixed by, by St. Paul. It's not going to be fixed by Madison. It's not going to be fixed by politicians. The only way this thing gets turned around is you and me. Living our lives free, making choices for freedom, choices for faith, church, choices to be virtuous, to live right, to seek it, and to get as many out there saved as we possibly can. Now I'm going to make a statement. I don't believe America can turn it around. I don't. I just don't think it's possible. On its own. But we can turn around the St. Croix River Valley. I'm convinced of it. Amen. I am absolutely convinced of it. You cannot change America. You cannot change the direction of America, but we, we can change the St. Croix River Valley from Solon Springs to Prescott. Amen. And we don't do it through legislation. We do it through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I believe there will be whole cities won for Christ. I believe there will be whole regions turning back to godly living. Amen. And that could be a catalyst for other regions to go, if they can do it, why can't we? Because it doesn't matter what the world does. We live kingdom. We preach kingdom. We, we reach out and lift up the name of Jesus. And we live like him. And we, we get other people to live that way. We will move this whole region towards godly living. Amen. That's where it's possible. Yeah. One last quote from Tocqueville. Then I'll turn it over to Peter. Religion taught people that there were things in the universe more important than money and encouraged them to lift their eyes beyond the petty concerns of daily life. You know, Jesus preached that in the Mount of Olives, the Sermon on the Mount. He goes, don't look at, what's, at the temporal things. Look at the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all this stuff will be added on to you. Amen. Jesus is pretty smart. Living life for something higher than yourself beyond the petty concerns of daily life and concentrate on higher and more distant goals. And that is the kingdom of God being expanded in the area that you have influence. Amen?